This is The Week Ahead, brought to you by Advisorpedia and powered by Tomatica Research. I'm Tomatica Research's Chief Investment Officer, Chris Versace, and joining me as always to break down the latest happenings and offer some insight as to what's ahead is Lenore Hawkins. Lenore, how are things going with you? I, I asked that because we kind of had a big week this week, but the markets are kind of drifting, looking for direction. We're, we're hitting up a, a summer. Like sound fr- and fury signifying nothing. Yeah, of. right, 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 right. little yeah. shock, no awe. But we're also starting to hit one, one, one of these things that we do every time this year, which is the Friday fade, not a lot of news, kind of drifting sideways. So let's let's talk about what we saw last week so we can have some context for the week ahead. And then let's drill down into what we'll be paying attention to. Okay. So last week, so much for inflation. Uh, two days, after, having two days to digest the Fed's latest decision. Um, if, if the markets were really concerned with the Fed's raising rates and were really concerned with this whole inflation story then higher growth should have been hit really hard and value should have been where everybody was headed, except the opposite happened. Thursday, so the the release was on Wednesday and then by Thursday's close, tech heavy NASDAQ composite and NASDAQ 100 closed in the green and the rest of the major markets closed in negative territory yet again. Now to really drive that home and emphasize the lack of inflation fears, the 10-year treasury yield dropped six basis points Thursday to 1.509 and the long bond is now down 38 basis points from its recent peak on March 18th. And it's back to, get this, the long bond yield is actually back to the same level it was in February of 2020 when the Fed funds rate was 1.6 and unemployment was 3.5%. Jeez, that's crazy. So what, what really might have been entertaining is that the Fed might have just shifted finally to being a bit less dovish right in time for the economy to soften and inflation metrics to roll over. <laughs> Perfect <laughs> so, timing. Good timing, <laughs> right? So if we're looking at, like, just to really emphasize this, so inflation, well, last Thursday, the CRB metals dropped 3.7%. Copper fell 4.7%. Corn's down 12%. Soybeans are down nearly 20% from a three-year high in May. Lumber has collapsed 45%. Bitcoin stuck below 40000 kind of faltering around 37,000 despite all this inflation talk. And gold last week had its worst week in 15 months. Now, does any of this sound like the market thinking inflation is the big thing? No, On top not of that, at all. Those inflation sectors, like the ones that should do really well, are struggling. Materials dropped 2.2% on last Thursday. Industrials down 1.5%. So even though the Fed is saying, looks good, we're feeling good about employment, all the cyclically sensitive stocks are pretty much in retreat. Transports are off 7% from their recent high. And the Russell 2000 hasn't made a new high since March 15. None of that is screaming, we're f- terrified of inflation right now. No, not at all. Not at all. So how did the, the major market barometers you know, close out the week almost? Well, NASDAQ 100 and NASDAQ Composite, those were really the top performers. Those were both up over one, like one, a little bit more than 1%, S&P down. And what was really interesting is to see that the S&P 500 was down, but the equal weight was down even more, down significantly more. S&P 500 down 0.4, S&P equal weight was down 1.7. Now, 
what that's really telling you when you look at the NASDAQ is what's keeping the S&P up is those big tech boys. Right, because right. The equal weight down even further, right? The Dow down almost 2%, the Russell down over 2%. What is interesting though is to look at the VIX. So it's sitting below 18. That means there's an that's, awful lot of complacency. It, it is. And I, I think it kind of reflects the, the meh attitude that we're kind of seeing in the market. But, but here's the thing though, you know, it's not oh so far off from levels where people tend to freak out and think that a correction or, or you know, some volatility in the market is coming. I think that's, that's like so last decade. We, we, we now. Are you saying I'm da- are you saying I'm dating myself? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> that's so last decade. I think we, we really have a market now that is just so confident that if there's the tiniest little wobble, the Fed is going to step in. And why wouldn't you think that? Because that's what we've seen. Every time the market gets a little wobbly, the Fed comes racing in. Anyone who has looked at the market and actually, for the love of God, thought of fundamentals and thought that those might matter was severely punished. You know, that was just an absolute lunacy. So right. the fundamentals, it's, right, it's right. really just going to go up. So, <laughs> I I know you well enough to know that there's a hint of sarcasm in your voice as you say that, but <laughs> you know you know I, I'm, but but like some of the things that we've been talking about rising input costs, supply chain issues, and we'll we'll talk we'll touch more on what some companies had to say over the last couple of days about that, which only reinforce that view. You know the markets are near um, you know at or near all time highs. You know, mm-hmm. earnings expectations are rather robust, and, and we're coming up on an earnings season that, at least in my opinion. I think there's probably more risk to the downside. And, and to your point about the Fed, the Fed is not going to step in and do anything just because June quarter earnings, you know, the guidance might be a little, little weaker relative to the robust expectations the market has. So I, I, I do think that, you know, as, as we go through yeah. and risks digest more, the June quarter earnings, yeah. yeah. Risks are definitely exactly. more to okay. the downside. Um, what is interesting, too, to think about that is that as we go into the June quarter, if we're talking about lack of Fed support, and so there's there's monetary side is is really talking about looking in the other direction, you know, looking towards tightening rather loosening. And if we look at the the fiscal stimulus side, we can see that the Biden administration is really struggling to, yeah. to push things yeah. through. It's it's difficult to push through a massive spending program when you've got on the other side all talk of like we need to slow this economy a bit. What do you do when the Democrats say, wow, that infrastructure bill is too expensive? Yeah, you might have really overshot then. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's crazy. They're really struggling. And, it, and keep in mind, too, that as this drags on, so here we are right now where there's still talk of like, oh, it's kind of a hot economy. The Fed just kind of sh- talked a little bit more dovish for the first time in a very long time, not really conducive to a big, huge spending plan. If this keeps dragging out and we think that the data is still going to come in a bit hot until towards like end of summer, fall. With that, that only gives you the, the kind of like the last quarter of 2021 to really get some sort of stimulus through because right very soon after that we hit the midterm election cycle uh, and it is very difficult very difficult to campaign while trying to raise taxes and this, this big stimulus plan needs to be tied to some sort of a tax plan and that's really not going to happen so putting it all together 
mm, on the, the, the monetary side, that's not looking good. And the fiscal side, mm, not so much either. So where's that extra juice to pump up this market? Uh, it's a great question. It's, it's one that I'm, I and I think others, as well as yourself, are looking to find. But let's, let's circle back to the Fed meeting because, you, you know, I think heading into it, others, as well as you and myself, weren't really expecting any major changes. So my, my, my question to you, Chief Macro Strategist, is did the meeting play out pretty much as you expected? What caught you off guard? And what do you think about those economic forecasts that, that the Fed put out? Yeah, the I wasn't terribly surprised to see a move. I mean, these are these are people, right? And everywhere you go, you're hearing inflation, inflation, inflation. And I wasn't super surprised to see the median dot plot. So the, the dot plot is this little chart where everybody who's a voting member, they, they put their put a dot on where they think rates are going to be out in the future. And you put it all together, and that gives you kind of a consensus idea of what the, the Fed officials are thinking. Um, so the, the median dot plot moved to 0.6% for 2023 from when previously it had been basically zero. And with 13 of the 18 members seeing at least one hike by the end of 2023. So it's 13 seeing one, that was just seven back in March. So almost doubling the number expecting a hike in 2023. And 11 now see at least two hikes by the end of 2023. Now let's keep in mind, 2023 is a long ways off. And on top Correct. of that, top of that, I mean, that is a really long ways off. On top of that, the Fed's dot plot has pretty much a about the worst track record you can imagine. Now, the market really, really wants to have some sort of oracle to give them comfort and tell them what's coming. But these dot plots, they're just not really it. If we no. actually look back to when these dots were first introduced by Ben Bernanke in January of 2012, that was when the Fed funds rate was also near zero. In 2014, the dots called for two hikes to 0.75%, and the Fed was all bulled up on growth back then too. And where did we finish 2014 off? Right around the zero bound and the Fed fund rate. What about in September of 2018? The dots said that we were going to hit 3.375 for 2020. Where did we close the year? The year at zero. So even near the peak back then, the rate never broke above 2.5%. So we, there's no track record here that says that this is really something we ought to pay attention to. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like, the Fed's way of saying, this is what we think we might do. This is what we're seeing today, but don't, don't hold us to it. Yeah, we're a little bit, we're more open. I mean, overall, it was pretty much the same as usual. The Fed sees the economy as doing just fantastic. And this run-up inflation still is just transitory, which is pretty ironic that the Fed thinks the economy is doing great, right? When then the next day, the initial unemployment claims came <laughs> considerably above yeah, expectations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah hey, <laughs> we're, we're raising our 2020, 2021 GDP forecast. Yeah. No change in unemployment, but guess oh, what? Okay. Boom. <laughs> that, was, that was just mean. <laughs> yeah, well, look, at least we're not making fun of the Atlanta Fed because they're such an easy target. But anyway, anyway, you were, you were um, so I, I think where you were headed with this, Lenore, was you know, at some point, the Fed is going to have to introduce the concept that it's going to boost interest rates, right? And sort of in the taper. past, right, some sort of taper, right? And I'm glad you used that word because, you know, the last time we saw a situation similar to this, it's been now known as the Bernanke temper tantrum, right? 
because Bernanke was like, these are the conditions that we would need to possibly raise interest rates. And the stock market, all, all it heard was raise interest rates. So I, I, I guess my question to you is, do you think, do you hope, do you pray that Ben Bernanke and the Fed heads have learned from that mistake and that they're going to be even more transparent in their language? I'm not sure how you can be, but do you think they're going to strive to be even more clear this time around? Well, I mean, let's think about it. We, the, the tough thing with if the Fed ever tapers, raises rates, um, we've only have really one example to go off of. So that's not exactly a statistically significant right, sample right, size. Right, 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 right. Um, and we're so used to the market going up that when they did taper last time, the, the S&P felt a whopping 5%. But at the time, you know, the sky was absolutely falling. Pretty much every sector got hit. Tech, healthcare, and energy were outperforming. I mean, they, they did a little bit better. They still got hit, but they got hit a bit less. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of difference between growth and value. So pretty much just slamming across the board. Same for large versus small cap. They got hit fairly equally hard. Um, treasury yields spiked, the curve flattened, and credit spreads, this was an important thing, the credit spreads really widened dramatically, particularly in the high-yield sector. And that is something to keep in mind right now because we're seeing that high-yield credit spread is super, super, super low. Uh, if you were looking to hedge, your best options were VIX, gold, and oil. Hey, can I ask you a question? So I, I, th this just occurred to me as we were talking that – if, if and when the Fed actually raises interest rates by a quarter point, shouldn't that send the signal that, wow, the economy is healthy, it is growing? It, it, and I, I liken it to almost kind of like um, if you're making money and paying taxes, not necessarily a bad thing because it means you're making money, right? This would mean that the economy is actually growing. Well, there's messaging and then there's reality. Mm -hmm. Keep talking about how this economy is so strong and yet we have unprecedented levels We've had unprecedented levels of fiscal support. We've just never seen anything like the amount of money right, that was right, thrown into right. people's wallets. And we've never seen the Fed doing what it's doing. I mean, one of the things that we keep hearing about is this massive housing boom. Mm -hmm. Might we recall the last time <laughs> there was a lot of discussion about a massive housing boom? What was going mm -hmm. on back then? Mm -hmm. When was that? Well, back then, what was going on was that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac had been charged by the government to make housing more affordable. And the way they mm -hmm. were doing that was by making mortgages more accessible. So pretty much that's what we remember. The, people might remember the liar loans. Um, and that was just the, the, you didn't have to give any proof of income. You could just pretty much anybody could walk into a bank and say, I want to buy a house. And the bank would be like, here's your loan. There you go. The reason the, bank, the, <laughs> the banks were doing that because Fannie or Freddie, they were immediately, as soon as you would issue a mortgage, that mortgage would be packaged up and Fannie or Freddie would buy the packaged mortgages and take it off the bank's books. So it didn't matter to the banks if they were issuing these just cruddy no. mortgages because they didn't have to deal with it, right? Just poof, deal it to Fannie and Freddie. So it didn't really matter to them the credit worthiness. Now what that did, and, and, and on top of that, housing prices just going up. So what do you really care, right? If home prices keep going up, if somebody defaults on a mortgage, who cares? You've done better, right? Because the house is worth more than when they bought it. It's all good. Up until the point where that isn't good and home prices start to roll over. Well, what are we seeing now? The Fed is buying 
massive amounts of mortgages, which is really helping to keep these mortgage rates super, super low. And shocker, we're hearing talk of a housing boom, but it's not quite exactly that. What do you mean? Well, I'm glad you asked. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me, don't keep me in suspense. I know you're dying, right? (laughs) So we've actually seen a really material downward shift in pending home sales. And according to the University of Michigan Survey of Consumers, home buying plans are down to a 39-year low. The S&P 500 Home Builder Index is actually in full-blown correction mode. The National Association of Home Builders Market Index came in weaker than expected last week and is now at the lowest level in 10 months, driven pretty much by rising cost pressures and the low availability of lumber and other building supplies. Well, now, last week was a... Don't you think, though, that given what happened as a result of the pandemic, anybody who's going to buy a house practically did it, right? And those who didn't, those who were waiting, as you were just mentioning, are probably priced out of the market, at least for now. Because the problem, what we're seeing is just really, really low supply. Yeah. So we're hearing this housing boom with the prices, but it's on a very small number, but we're also seeing because of all this, this, and this is, again, we're dealing with kind of a short term and by short term, I mean, it's going to take six to 18 months to smooth all this mm-hmm. stuff out. Funkiness in all input costs. So we have housing starts came in below consensus with both housing starts and building permits for May coming in weaker than expected for the second consecutive months. Starts haven't fallen far from their March peak, but building permits, which lead starts, right? You have to get a permit before you you start building. Um, They're down more than 10% from the January peak, and they've seen declines across every region of the country. Yeah, starts were up month over month, but that's because April was revised sharply lower. So that kind of netted out. Single family starts jumped 4.2%. But if you put that in context of the 16% drop we saw in April, not so much. What we are seeing a boom in is rentals. Single family rents rose 5.3% year over year in April. Now that's the largest one year gain in nearly 15 years. So I think that's very similar to what we're seeing in the automotive market, right? Where production is hobbled because of exactly. uh, set because the semiconductors and used cars prices are booming. Um, you can't buy a house. You got to go. You got to live somewhere. So, but I know we get some additional economic data out next week, including some other uh, housing data points. I, I think it's existing home sales, new home sales, that sort of thing. What what are you looking inside that new data next week to kind of complete your housing picture? One of the things I, and this is kind of a a bit longer term on the housing picture. I want to be looking at what's going on with the jobs, right? Um, So last week, right after Powell's conference, the day after where he was talking about, he was bullish on employment. The weekly initial claims number was higher than expected. It jumped Mm -hmm. Uh, 37,000 to 412,000 versus an expectations for 360,000. Now that's the first increase we've seen since April 24, and it's the sharpest increase since March 27th. Really not a good sign. When you think about, we have a level of job openings that this country has never seen, over 9 million job openings. So what's going on with a spike like that in layoffs? 
that's that's just not a great sign. Continuing claims also rose. And continuing claims are today at a level that's roughly twice what you would expect in a, in a normal economy. And you, you can't really separate that from the housing market because again, you know, this housing market is on very small numbers. So keep that in mind. You know, it's it's kind of like thinking about a stock price and you go, oh, that stock, you know, look, it's it's going up so high. But if you see that it's trading on really tiny, tiny volume, volume, that's a, yeah, that's a very different sign. If it's if a stock is moving around on much, much, much lower volume than it normally sees. That is something to pay attention to versus if you see those stock prices changes occurring on normal volumes, right? That's a very different message. And that's what we're seeing mm-hmm. in the housing market. Well, I, I agree with you 100%. If I was to go into the Chris Versace Wayback Machine about uh, almost 20 years ago, when he was working at Solomon Brothers in the uh, how home building and building products research group, that correlation between the housing market, whether it's repair and remodel or new construction, is extremely tight. With job creation. So I, I, I agree with you 100% that that is something to really watch for to get a beat on where housing is, is really going to go in the coming months. But um, yeah, we yeah. also got some... Gonna, we, we, yeah, we'll also look at the existing home sales, right? Yep, um, yep. Because it, well, you got you, you to go somewhere, right? Yeah, you want to trade up to a new home. Right. Um, so existing home sales in the US for the last report... Um, unexpectedly fell 2.7% to, to 5.85 million um, compared to forecasts for a 2% rise. So they're supposed to go up 2% and they actually fell 2.7%. Mm. That's a that's a pretty big difference, right? And that's the third consecutive month of declines. And a lot of that is driven by housing supply continuing to fall short of demand. And when you think about that too, the supply of housing, you can't, you cannot disconnect that from the employment situation as well. So if you're struggling to find a, a job or if somebody, at least if, if the full household has not regained employment, if employment still continues to be at a bit of a struggle for a home, are you really thinking of selling your house? Because how are you going to get another house? How are you even going to rent if you don't have, you're staying put and just hoping for those moratoriums to hold up. And this is a sign that the economy, when there's such when you see housing prices going up like crazy and you see low volume continuing, that means people are going, oh, I'm not selling. Why? Right. That's not normally what we see, right? So that's another indicator that nobody's really talking about that tells you there's a, there's more going on here that's not great. So if you were to look in your crystal ball, uh, May rents higher year over year? Okay. So, All right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll also be looking at the mortgage applications while we're thinking mm-hmm, about housing. Mm-hmm. Um, so oh, absolutely. Wednesday, we get those. The, the last week's report, uh, mortgage applications increased 4.2% in the week ended June 11th. And um, that was the first increase in four weeks. Uh, we'll be watching this time because the average rate on the 30-year fixed mortgage rose to the highest level since mid-April at 3.25% last week in reaction to the Fed's announcement on the dot plot. So we'll see if that holds up and what impact they may have on mortgage applications. Now, we know that housing is a big multiplier effect on the economy, but we also know the consumer directly, indirectly, is a huge driver of the economy. Um, What did you make of last week's retail sales report? Yeah, that was uh, did not come in as expected. It came in significantly weaker by a meaningful margin, actually dropping 1.3% month over month versus expectations for a decline of just 0.8. 
Um, if we take autos out of the equation, the, with, the miss was by more than a full percentage point. And the only positive note is that April, the prior months, originally reported numbers were revised upwards. So the net is pretty much a wash, but I'm going to point out that that's, it's not consistent of a story that the economy is just aggressively growing. And let's just think about that. Take a step back and think what makes an economy grow, right? This is always our little mantra, like what makes an economy mm -hmm, grow? Mm -hmm. It's growth in the labor market and it's growth in productivity. What do we have going on right now? Okay, productivity is going pretty strong because companies purchased a lot of tech during the pandemic. They had to replace people with technology. They had to work remotely. They had to get creative. So productivity going pretty well. Labor force, not so good. We're not seeing that really growing a lot. And when we see these expectations that, oh, the U.S. economy is just accelerating, it's going fantastic. Okay, why? When you think about what was in, before the pandemic, 2019, what was going on? Okay, now 2021, what is so different today that the future in 2021 is so much more spectacular than the eh, kind of humdrum growth we'd experienced for all of the teens. Wait, what has wait. gotten so much better? Oh, well, let's see. We've got way more debt across the board on corporations. <laughs> You've right. got a massive loss of wealth. You have all these small businesses that were forced to be closed. We had record hits to unemployment. I mean, yeah, we've got those stimulus checks, but the, the thing with GDP is it doesn't measure the loss of wealth across the board and now on a global basis. And let's not forget what a, what a meaningful area for, for income is travel, right? Having mm -hmm. visitors come in. Well, just today, the European Union said, hey, come on in. They've opened the doors to Americans who've been vaccinated. Now, they were holding off on that because the U.S. still has a moratorium on Europeans coming into the country. If you're European, you cannot come into this country, period. You've got to have a really good excuse. That still stands. That, that hurts, that hurts the lodging, that hurts restaurants, right? That's still there. Mm -hmm, but, mm -hmm. Oh, this economy is going to grow so much faster than it did in 2019. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so let's let's circle back to the May retail sales report because, and I think this is going to tie in with what you were just kind of talking about. Um, you know, I'm a big year over year guy. And when we look at that, uh, the retail sales are up about 33% year over year for the three months ending in May. And, and year to date, 2021 over 2020, they are up about 24%. Now, dig into it. Clothing, huge winner, up about 200% year over year in May. Um, I know that there's a lot of catch-up spending going on. A lot of, I want to be free. I want to go do something. I want to look my best. But And, and those year over year numbers are kind of, yeah, because... Oh, I, ago, I agree. Right I agree. a year ago, people were sitting at home going, it's all going to end. The end of the <laughs> well, so you're 100% correct on that. And I, I think that's why a lot of retailers, when they reported recently, they talked about comps, not just against 2020, because they knew that they were, you know, you, you, yeah, you could walk over them like, like, like it was anything. Yeah, they, they talked about 2019. But so how much firepower do you think we have left, right? And, I, and I'm going to ask you with this little trick in mind. Next week, we have the 2021 Prime Day Wars, where you've got okay. Amazon Prime Day, you got Target that's pulling out the stops, you got Walmart. Once those days come and go, what, 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 what is there next? And, I, and I, I guess a little sub question there is, 
Do you think that back to school spending might surprise to the upside, given what we've seen with nobody going to school after a year? I think, I think that could surprise to the upside. Um, but I think just if we kind of smooth out these bumps, right. Prime mm-hmm. day back to suspect, if we smooth out these bumps, where is the spending power going to come from? We've already seen that people pulled out fairly record high amounts of equity from their home. We don't look to be getting any of those fiscal stimulus checks back into people's checking accounts. Now, according to CEO of Bank of America, the average checking account balance is about three times right now for, for the people who are kind of the lower income levels where the, the, the support was supposed to be focused that their balances mm-hmm. are about where it used to be 2000 in 2019. Now it's about 6,000, which is great. Give them a little bit of cushion. But if you're looking at this job market where employers are having a really tough time finding the right employee and we have continuing claims, it's still about twice what is expected in a healthy market. That doesn't tell me we've got a great tailwind for spending when companies it's not good for a company to not be able to hire, right? That hurts the company. If they have a job opening and they need to hire that person and they can't, that's going to hurt their top line, right? Because they they need to grow. They need these employees. There's a reason they're hiring them. Mm-hmm, so that's mm-hmm. not good for the economy if you can't find a person. And then on the other side, if somebody can't find a job, oh, clearly that's a drag. So you've got a drag from both the corporate sector and the household sector when we look at the reality of this labor market right now. And that to me isn't saying... Going gangbusters. No, no, no. Okay. All right. Real quick. What else are you looking for next week? Um, and any other key economic reports to watch? So we'll also be looking on Wednesday, next this coming Wednesday, for the, the main new home sales report. Uh, the pr- last month's report, um, sales of new single family homes in the U.S. sank sank 5.9% month over month to an annualized rate of 863,000 in April. That was well below the forecast of 970,000. So that was more than 100K below expectations. And again, soaring prices due to rising material costs. Um, The March reading was also revised sharply lower to 917,000 from 1,021,000. So New home sales. Is that turning around? Is that continuing to go down? I suspect that's not going to be a super exciting report either. Also on Wednesday, market flash manufacturing and service PMIs for June. What I'll be looking for there is to see further indications of what's going on in manufacturing. What we saw last week was the Philly Fed um, followed the New York Empire report with signs that the manufacturing sector, which was like, whoa, this thing is going crazy, right. that, right, that right. it actually peaked out, right? So the survey for Philly Fed came in at 30.7% in June, below the expectations for 31%, down from 31.5% in May, and well below April's 50.2%. Orders softened to a six-month low, and backlogs were down to a three-month low, and even delivery times fell from 41.5 to 29.3, and the work week actually dropped to a six-month low. So across the board there, you're seeing manufacturing, which was like, oh my God, this is amazing, coming back down into reality. So I'll be looking to see from the market flash manufacturing PIs, like what, what's going on there. We're seeing signs mm-hmm. of further rolling over because this is what we warned about, right? We said, oh, it's going to look yep. amazing. It's going to be so, <laughs> so red hot. And then, <laughs> um, yeah, whether so it, whether it's K- 
catch up demand, pull forward demand. You're, you're exactly right. And, and again, one, I think one of your favorite charts is going to bear that out. The Citibank economic surprise index. Yeah, exactly. Be looking for that one. Um, the, we'll also look on Thursday for the durable orders report. Um, that again, talking about rolling over new orders for us manufacturing durable goods fell about 1.3% in April. That was after an upwardly revised 1.3% increase in March um, that was defying expectations for a 0.7 increase, but it was a first decline in durable good orders in almost a year. So what I'll be looking to see, is that continuing, right? Because durable good orders really went up. Is that is that also showing signs of rolling over? Because this has kind of been my, my, my picture has been, you're gonna see this explosion as things open up. There's gonna be unreal, acceleration just like just like remember in last march april may you were looking at these charts going oh my god <laughs> you're looking at a chart going back like 50 years and and the, the line just plummeted to a level I, so, that had never been seen yeah we were going to see the reverse right we were going right. to see that reverse kind of massive acceleration that and and now is that really rolling over we're seeing all around so we're, we're kind of timing that rollover um, finally, Friday, we get May um, personal income and spending and personal consumption expenditure price index, more on the inflation bit, which I'm expecting the la- next month or two, the data is really going to be rolling over. Okay. Okay. So let, let's quickly uh, switch over to earnings. Um, you know, there were a handful of ones, you know, last week, uh, just, just a couple highlights, you know, Spirit Airlines, they share that uh, leisure demand in both domestic and international markets continues to improve. Oracle said that it is going to go after market share, particularly in the cloud market. They, they reported better than expected numbers, but they guided with softer margins, particularly for the cloud business. We're going to watch and see what happens with Amazon and Microsoft when they report their June quarter. We're going to really want to focus in on, again, that operating margin line, perhaps signaling that there is some battling for market share. Um, Lazy Boy, which is a company that we don't necessarily talk about, but it was kind of interesting. Um, they're a furniture company, and they said they expect ongoing global supply chain disruptions in headwinds related to raw materials and freight costs. Triple whammy there. It's going to hit them, continue to hit them in the back half of the year. And um, I think last week, or maybe the week before, we were saying that Ford is going to war, Lenore, with Tesla. And now General Motors is jumping in on that. They said that they're going to raise their global spending on EVs and autonomous vehicles to $35 billion through 2025, 30% greater than what they had said before. That's crazy. I'm telling you, man, these companies, these traditional autos are circling the wagons for Tesla. It, it is, it is going to be amazing you- to watch. Does it remind you of uh, back, I can't remember exactly the year, but I think it was, I want to say like 99, early 2000, when Travelocity had a bigger market cap than all of the airlines. I mean, what? It made no sense whatsoever. I kind of feel like this, when you've got Tesla with a tiny fraction of the number of cars being sold and having a bigger market cap than all the major automakers combined. Sorry about that. So just so you guys know, Apparently, if you're in the sun, your iPhone might overheat and it shuts down on you. Who knew? I apologize. Um, we were just talking about uh, circling the wagons on, on Tesla, Tesla, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, what was the, you were about to make a point, right? No, we did. I made it. Like we're good. 
Did you catch it? So you got Lenore's point, Doug? Yeah, I was fine. Okay. All right. And in the vein of you can run, but you can't hide, Facebook has been testing ads within this Oculus mobile app. And pretty soon they're going to start to put those games in their shoot, sorry, those ads in their shooter games, blast on from resolution and others. And I expect that they're going to try to do this increasingly with these AR VR uh, gaming um, apps that they have to in a bid to drive greater ad revenue as they get attacked on uh, privacy with uh, some of the changes that say Apple and others are making in their operating systems. I wonder how that's going to go. I mean, I having an ad, you know, when you're wearing those VR goggles, having an ad ad slamming into my face, I, hmm. Well, think about it too. I get a little (laughs) pop-up. But right. Exactly. As that happens, think about it. You're in the middle of this shooter game. You're about to take someone down. Then all of a sudden, Hey, you deserve a break today for McDonald's. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, how does that get to work? I, I just don't, I, I, don't, I, 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 I really just don't see it. I, I, I have a tough time with that. Anyway, let's transition to uh, what we're going to look at this week. Uh, as, as we touched on earlier, we got Amazon Prime Day. That's June 21, 22. Uh, and again, surrounding it are going to be competing events from Target and Walmart. Here's the thing, Lenore. Amazon is expected to get $12 billion alone from Prime Day 2021 this year. Uh, that compares to $10.4 billion in 2020 and seven point, almost $7.2 billion in 2019. That is a huge event. But here's the thing. In addition to all the sales, this is a bonanza for getting new Prime subscribers as they get ready for the back half of the year. Again, the all-important holiday shopping season. Candidly, do you know anybody who doesn't have a Prime account? Because I sure don't. Yeah, I don't, why would yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to think of how you you wouldn't have a Prime account because it just it just it's so good. It's so it's good. so easy. I mean, it pays for yeah. itself, just like Costco membership. But enough of that. Yeah, um, yeah. We have very few earnings next week, but let, let's talk about the ones that we do have. Darden Restaurants. Look, they are going to signal um, along with the reopening. How are people? continuing to eat? Are they continuing to shift more and more on the outside, i.e. not home? Uh, But I also want to hear about what are they seeing on consumer spending, ticket size, input costs and pricing, and also too, are they able to attract workers? Because we've heard a lot of folks talk about, hey, I'm going out, but service is really slow, not enough servers, that sort of thing. Um, Let's shift over to BlackBerry. Um, You know, BlackBerry has repositioned itself really as a cybersecurity company and Look, the number of ransomware attacks and other attacks has just continued to escalate um, in 2021. I I think it's going to have a very good outlook for the company. But I also want to see if they say anything at all about this meme stock stuff that is going on, because it's made their shares very volatile of late. Um, The other two, and this is for Thursday, uh, in addition to Darden and BlackBerry, is FedEx. Uh, look, package activities, it's a pretty good barometer of economic activity. And FedEx's forecast, both for its own business and the overall economy, will be worth noting, particularly as well its comments on supply chains. I also think that if Prime Day and the competing activity from Target and Walmart are really blockbuster, that they're probably going to talk about it. Um, and the other thing that we'll be looking for as a result of that is what does UPS say, if anything, about the success of those competing events? And then rounding out Thursday is Nike. Yeah, look, when this global foot and athletic wear company reports, 
investors are going to be focused on their geographic comments and the pace of the global reopening, as well as those comments on global supply supply chains. And look, I know you're a big fan of Lululemon, and I think that much like Lululemon, Nike's athleisure wear benefited tremendously from the pandemic. But I want to see what are they calling for about the back half of the year? Does that change at all as people go back to work or go back to the office? Yeah, I can't imagine that you're going to see anywhere near the growth in like legging purchases. <laughs> right, <laughs> as right. people could, you know, when it, when it was like, all right, this is my new worker kind of attire. I need my yoga pants. <laughs> I don't really see that kind of acceleration in the need for yoga pants continuing in Correct. the back half of, well, of 21. But but we still have, you know, a decent number of companies are still working with employees on working from home or from anywhere. So yeah, well, not it's, that that's it's, completely going away. No, no, it's 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 a very much a fair point. I mean, you heard companies like Apple wanted people in a certain number of days and the, the workers said, no, we're not coming. Yeah. We're not, we're, we're not coming in that much. I think, um, I think Uber or Lyft, I forget which one had, had a similar issue as well. So it, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, and then rounding out on Friday, we've got two others. One is CarMax. Um, you know, to what degree is auto production really hampering their business? Is its used car business exploding? What are prices for that? Kind of as we alluded to uh, a little while ago. Uh, and when does CarMax see this auto production shortage coming to an yeah. end? And and the other thing too, I thought about. I wanted to see: Are they seeing a lot more demand for EVs? So we we can really gauge that shift. Is it accelerating even there? Um, yeah, and then, yeah. Are, are, are consumers willing to pay the big ticket? Because it's one thing to for for us to be seeing the consumer shifting more and more towards cleaner products for their bodies, for their homes, better mm-hmm. food. But the big ticket items—that's a big investment in a cleaner environment. Totally agree. Totally agree. And then the last report on Friday is paychecks. And the reason here that I want to pay attention to this is they rolled out an impressive number of tools during the pandemic uh, regarding, you know, testing and and helping companies uh, deal with their employees. But as that anniversaries, what are they looking for in terms of new business growth? So, you know, this, this could be another one of, you know, while we're expecting the economy to grow, Perhaps, at least for paychecks, the back half of 2021 may not be that robust. Yeah, may not be quite as exciting as, uh, although I think we could all do with a little less excitement. <laughs> 2020, that was good. I'm, I'm, I'm good for a bit. Thanks. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Anything else you're watching next week, Lenore? This heat wave and seeing ah, um, yes, yes. What, what comes out of that as far as uh, back to our cleaner living theme with, I believe I, I read there was something like 40 million Americans are expected to be dealing with three digit degree temperatures and 200 million Americans are anticipated to be living with 90 plus degrees. So that's yeah. fun. That's all, all that means is when we get the June industrial production report, um, utility activity is going to spike like nobody has seen. 
And this could be a bit of a of an aid to the Biden administration's push for infrastructure, given the spectacular job that Texas has been doing so far with its <laughs> <laughs> And with that, Who's Lenore, your child for? here's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You've got Californians who moved to Texas now going, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> what did I do? What did I do? <laughs> wait a minute. I used to complain when it got above 75. <laughs> <laughs> And well, I think with that, <laughs> I think that is the week ahead, Lenore. 